The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. It's good to see you in the house of God this morning. I'm trusting that you are well. We had the Men's Freedom Weekend on uh, Friday night, Saturday. We had a very good time. Kevin led us. Uh, we had a really excellent time. And I'm sure you'll hear more about that. But that was an encouragement to us as far as that's concerned. And you ladies, you've got this soiree coming up. Actually, I need to tell you something. You know, if you don't get your tickets, that church app is going to close probably about Wednesday. You know, there's deadlines here, folks. You've just got to realize this. So if you haven't got yourselves organized, you need to get yourselves organized by Wednesday or that church app will close in front of your eyes and there'll be weeping and wailing in the streets of Rome. And I want to avoid that. I want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, here we are, starting a new sermon series called Gospel Truth. Gospel Truth. It's been on my heart to be able to talk about the Word of God and the authority of the Word of God and why we need to listen to the Word of God. But this whole issue of truth, what is truth? How does truth affect us? What is going on in our society around us? What things influence us? We need to look at these things as well. And so this morning, really, we're just going to have a shorter time this morning, but we're going to try to give a little bit of background to this before we dig uh, much further into it. We want to look at what's going on in our society and how truth or what truth means and how it affects our lives. The phrase gospel truth often is used, and it's interesting that it's often used because people, when they want to underline, oh, this is something that is true, not just something that could be true, this is true, and they often say, that's gospel truth. In other words, why would they say that? Why would they even use that phrase as something being underlined? That's because the Word of God is true, and we can trust it. And it's funny how these sort of sayings come in just to ordinary secular society. Johnny was telling me that some of his friends just say, oh, that's gospel. Now, they have nothing to do with the church, but they're still using that as a phrase because they're under, underlining the fact that there's something about God that is truth. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Let's just go into our Bible reading, first of all. John 18, 33 to 38. There's no need for you to turn for it. We'll just look at it on the screen. That is unless you left your glasses at home in which case you've got a problem, but get your phone out or something like that. John 18, 33 to 38, we're going into the situation where Jesus has been brought before Pilate, and he's, uh, Pilate goes in to talk to the Pharisees, and he comes back out. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason 
I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Now you may think that's a strange passage, but here we have an account of Jesus, the life of Jesus and his interaction with Pilate. And suddenly, way back those 2,000 years ago, we're seeing that people are still wrestling with the same issue that we want to talk about. What is truth? Quid est veritas is actually what Pilate said. Now, you should all be very impressed in that. Yeah? Quid est veritas. It's Latin, because that's actually what he said. What is truth? He could have said mensa magna est which means the table is large, and that's about the only other Latin <laughs> phrase I know. But that would have no relevance at all in this case. What is truth? Pilate himself was wrestling. What is true? People in government are wrestling with this issue. People in our world are wrestling with this issue because they want to understand what truth is. Well, what is truth? Where do we go to discover what truth is? Let's have a look at what the dictionary tells us about truth. Oh, incidentally, nobody's commented upon the fact we've got two screens up this morning. There's joy in the house of the Lord just because of the fact we've got both screens working. So praise the Lord for that. So even though I'm looking at that one, you can look at that screen with joy. And In fact, I'm going to look at that screen because it's back. The dictionary defines truth as this. The true and actual state of a matter. Something that's strong and founded. Something that we can actually lay our hands on. The true and actual state of a matter. It also says that truth, a verified or indisputable fact, proposition, principle or the like. So it's something that is actually factual. Something, yes, we can lay hold of. Or it also defines truth as being actuality or actual existence. That is to say something that is fundamentally that we can get hold of. That we can anchor something on. It's true. It has a foundation. It is strong. And all of these words are trying to describe that. They're trying to say, we want to find out what is honestly right, what is sure, what is steadfast, what is certain. Something then that is true. And that is what the dictionary would describe it. But there is a problem with truth. And that is because in our society we experience so much that is being declared as truth, which in actual fact is a half-truth, is nearly the truth, is a partial truth. And in life we have that all the time. So we're going to look at a few of these things this morning, five of them. The first one I want to look at is this, stretching the truth. Stretch. Yeah, <laughs> well there you go, stretching, that is an idea. We stretch out to extend something and that's exactly what happens with the truth. There is an extension. There is a stretching of the truth. And it happens all the time. Last week we had a baptism. And you saw our baptism pool right there in the centre of the building. In fact, it's just where you're seated. But hopefully it won't open up at the moment. Since, 2000, since September 2002, we've seen hundreds of people baptised in that pool. We've actually seen 115 people. But me just saying, we've seen hundreds of people, you wouldn't worry about that because you think, like, oh, that's good. You just take it on board. But if I wanted to be actually true, I need to specify exactly how many people. And it's not hundreds, 
It's over 100, but it's 115. Now, actually, when I found that out, I thought, praise God, 115 people have been baptized. Now, they're not all here. Some have moved on, or some were baptized because there wasn't a, a baptistry pool in their own church or whatever. But that's fantastic news. But when we're trying to talk about extending the truth, which is what happens, it happens in our society all the time. I, it would be declared of myself, I could make a mean bacon sandwich. In fact, watch, hang on, this is just an example, right? So shush. Front row excluded from this. I make the best bacon sandwich in the world. See, he believes me, and that's good. Now, you're sitting there and thinking, like, wow, I wonder what Jonathan's bacon sandwiches are like. Well, we won't go into it in too much depth. But the truth is, if I was to say, I'm a, I make the best bacon sandwich in the world, and let's face facts, people do say that. Mark is probably saying that, that Jan has the, made the best cake for Curry Union in the world. And we'd be thinking, like, that's great, it's going to be a very good cake. But actually, if it comes back to my bacon sandwich, how do we verify that it's the best bacon sandwich in the world? You're making all these claims. But have you entered into the best baking sandwich? Have you? This is obviously more difficult to say than I thought. Have I entered into the best bacon sandwich making competition that there is? No, I haven't. And there's always the issue, well, anyway, who is judging this competition? Who's the one who says that that is the best? I mean, what standards do you use? For me, personally, I would put tomato, ketchup, and mustard in my bacon sandwich to make it the best in the world. But all of those who would instantly say, well, that's wrong straight away because I have brown sauce in mine, suddenly there's this big divide between <laughs> what is actually the defining point of best bacon sandwiches in the world. In life, we just make statements, but you know what we do? We extend the truth. We don't tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We're making statements, but in the line of our conversations, we understand what each one is saying. But if you're looking to find something that you can anchor on, it is not true that I make the best bacon sandwich in the world. That isn't true. It's a stretched truth. It's a half-truth. There are elements in it, because I, I would say myself, do make quite a good bacon sandwich. But it's probably not the best in the world. So stretching the truth, this happens all the time for us. Point two is that of propaganda. Propaganda is probably not a word you hear because propaganda is the giving out of information which is really designed to be misleading. It's used quite a lot. It's used by... Well, nobody's going to admit to using it, are they? But our politicians used it. People, exactly, Stuart, exactly. I knew I could stir you up on this one. Um, politicians use it. It's used particularly when there's uh, battles and fights, and one side is trying to show that they haven't been hurt as much as they actually have been. Propaganda, though, is around us all the time, and it's misleading. Phrases are put out there through the media, radio, television, whatever, in a way so that you might think something is true. And the thing about propaganda is the reason that you actually receive it and take it on board of truth is because it's usually coming from an authoritative position. The people who are issuing that statement are those who are in authority. And so therefore, because they're in authority, because they ought to be trusted because of their position, you actually believe what they are saying. If we had a terrorist situation, as we have had recently in London, and suddenly you get the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police giving information, 
We take note. Why? Because this man is a man of authority and he's telling us what's going on. Now, I'm not saying we disbelieve that situation, but there are many situations coming up where people come before us and they say things, but they're not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And obviously, in a time when we're facing a general election in this country, perhaps I should stop talking about propaganda completely. I mean, what is the truth about the National Health Service and what is happening? What is the real truth with our National Health Service? Is money being wasted? Are people doing wrong hours? Are people doing too many hours? Where is all the money going? What is all the organisation? You know what? I don't know the answers to it. But you know what? Somebody does. But if they were to tell us the whole truth and nothing but the truth, the country would probably be in uproar. Propaganda is happening around us all the time. Where we receive part of the story, where we've been receiving facts that are not necessarily true, they're trying to divert our attention. This is happening all the time. So we have stretching the truth, and we have propaganda, and then we have advertising. Advertising is all around us. You know what? We love advertising. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. There's so many things in. It's so many things or tunes or. Uh, uh, brand titles that we can put up, and you think, oh, I know what that product is. So for not having loving advertising, it affects your life, and it does influence us in so many ways. But let's ask a question. Do the adverts tell the truth? Well, of course they do. They have to. They're checked out. In fact, you can't have an advert come out if it doesn't actually support the product that it's showing. That's probably true. But the thing with adverts is they're not just selling the product, are they? They're selling us a lifestyle. They're selling us something. Unilever, over the last good many years, have sought to sell two men a deodorant. Why? Because Unilever make the product and they want to sell it to as many men as possible. So just sort of thinking about what men are like, they think, well, use this idea. If you use our product, you won't smell nasty anymore. Yeah, that's part of the idea they sell. But the other part of the idea they sell is, if you use our product, not only will you not have smelly armpits, your armpits will be so beautiful that nearly every woman in the world will want to come and is attracted to you and wants to be your friend and wants to be your companion. And that's what they sell. So this whole idea that you see on the TV, you almost forget, I don't care about that deodorant, but wow, is that what that's going to make me? This is because if I use that, there's thousands of women who come after me. And that has an attraction. Now, I'm obviously not going to ask any guys here who actually uses this because we don't want to find out whether that's really true or not. In truth, we know what the, we know what the reality is. It's not true. And those of you that went out and bought it yesterday are probably feeling very disappointed now. But it's not only the guys, is it? When it comes to L'Oreal and selling to women hair products... They're selling it on the basis of the fact that you're worth it. You're worth it. And they show on those TV programs, because I watch them, or the, or the advert, I watch them, and they always have these beautiful women who... Just like that. It's a bit difficult for me to really give a visual on that one. But it's something, it's something like that. And their hair flies out. And I always think, not only is the hair is perfectly cut, it, it just shines. The, the way that the lighting is, it, is every strand of hair is shining. It's, it's beautiful. And not only are you going to be like this, dear ladies, 
But they tell you the reason you need to buy this is because fundamentally you are worth something. And it speaks into our hearts because you know what? We think sometimes, look at my hair, I'm a mess. But if I buy that product, at least I'm worth something. doesn't really matter. Obviously, you hope your hair's going to change. You see, the adverts are telling us about a lifestyle. They're telling us about things that we're hoping for, we're aiming for. And we listen to them because we hope that that's what we're going to become. As a guy, you're hoping like, wow, I'm attracted to it. Well, the, every woman is attracted to me. As a woman, you're thinking like, I am worth it and my hair does look beautiful. So adverts, they tell us some truth, but they don't tell us the whole truth. In actual fact, they sell us many lies because just they really want to sell their product. But those are the adverts, of course, that are telling us things about a lifestyle. There's also another style of advert, isn't there? The style of advert that says, I'm not going to use any of those techniques. I'm going to tell you that this product of mine does exactly what it says on the tin. So in other words, advertisers are saying, we're going to tell you the truth. And they're going to use that style to actually show you something. Let's just have a quick look at this advert. Because it's along those lines. Oh, I'd like to apologise. For the last 21 years, we've said, Bronxville does exactly what it says on the tin. Particular tweeters have pointed out that our products now come in buckets, tubs, pots, and tubes. That means we haven't been doing exactly what we say. We've let it down. So now it's time we change our famous strap line. Bronzeville Fence Life now does exactly what it says on the rotund 203.48 millimeters by 189.12 millimeters vacuum molded white polypropylene copolymer five liter labeled bucket. Now, there is an example of, obviously, Ron Seal using that. They've always used this. It does exactly what it says on the tin. But you see, even there, they recognize that's not telling 100% truth across our product range. Advertising is all around us. And in a society where we are looking to understand what is truth, what can I anchor my life on? We have to recognize that all around us in our world, there is a pressure which is giving us what is declaring to be truth, but actually isn't 100% truth. And therefore, that is affecting the way that we think and affecting the things that we do. 
It's affecting what we consider to be truth itself. Now, we've looked, obviously, at stretching the truth, propaganda, and advertising, but what about scientific truth? Scientific truth is, again, very important. Scientific truth gives us what it declares as verifiable facts or verifiable evidence to support the facts that we are relying upon. So it seeks to actually, through scientific methods, prove what you are saying or what you are believing is actually true. And the problem with science is that, or not one sense it's a problem, but it, it seeks to uphold a position. And so science itself is seen as being the qualifier of truth. To a point where it says, well, if it's not scientifically proven, in other words, if it doesn't come to science and science can uphold it as truth, then it is not true. But there are problems with that. And the problems with that are is that over the years, mankind himself has been developing and mankind is still discovering things about science. If you go back to the time of Henry VIII, in Henry VIII's time, they found that they could make windows. And so there was this new thing about making glass, and glass obviously could be used in their windows. It was very bubbly and very wobbly, and you couldn't really, you could see through it, but with a distorted vision, not like the glass we have today. But they didn't realize that this product, sand, that they were able to heat up to make glass would actually one day be running in our computers and having all the memory that we use on our phones and in our computers and having that information. Just the same product, but they didn't understand that bit. Just in the fact that years ago, well, not just years ago, even still uh, is the same today, that we would say, well, the, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. We know that. You think, oh, what? Where am I? Where, how do I get my geographical position? The, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And of course, when that phrase came about, people understood that it does indeed rise in the east and sets in the west. And the way they knew that is because, as uh, they thought at the time, the sun was going round the earth. And science of that day was saying that's how it's proven. The sun is going round the earth. But as years passed by, and as there was greater discoveries in science, they discovered, actually, the sun's going nowhere. It's not the sun that's going around the earth. It's the earth that's rotating and going around the sun. So we shouldn't really be saying the sun is rising upon us. We're saying the earth is twisting. But we understand what we mean. But as there is time that passes, so greater scientific discoveries are being made and therefore, although science gives verification to some things through the experiments that they can conduct, we unfortunately have to come to this point that science doesn't know everything. There was a time when people thought that the earth was flat. And yet at that time, if they'd read their Bibles, they would have read that he sits above the circle of the earth. So in scripture itself, it has always declared that the earth has been round. God knows all things. God was the founder of all things. He is the creator of all things. The difference between God and us, and obviously there are many differences, but one of them is this. He has always existed. He is the uncreated one. It is from him that he is the source of all things. It's from him that everything has been made. And therefore, he does know more than science. Science itself is subject to him. 
But science is proving things in the seen world. How does science operate when it comes to the spiritual realm? The realm that you cannot see. They put up cameras and things on TV to try to show you if there's a ghost or an apparition and have these scare nights that they sometimes have on, they record for the television programs. But science itself can't really help us when it comes to the spiritual realm. And God is spirit. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So you see, science is great. Science can add verification. Science can back up a lot of things. But science itself is not complete. The knowledge of the universe is not completely known to us, but it is known to God, who sits above the circle of the earth. So stretching the truth, propaganda, advertising, scientific truth. And finally here, our problem with absolute truth. When I'm talking about absolute truth, we're talking about something that is that you can't go any lower than this. In chemistry, if you've ever done chemistry or physics, there's something called absolute zero, which is a measurement of, of coldness on a scale by a man called Kelvin. The Kelvin scale has something called absolute zero. Those of you who know more about this than me, just, just bear with me, because if I get it wrong, you can put me right. But my understanding is this, that absolute zero is the point in which everything ceases to function because the molecules will no longer move because they're frozen. So therefore, it becomes the point of absolute freezing, if you like. Now, it's very, obviously very, very cold. And in actual fact, you can't get there because the world would stop because nothing would function. So you can't actually measure it, although they say it's like minus 273 degrees Kelvin. Is that right? Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> for helping me out as far as that's concerned. That's absolute zero. But there is something called absolute truth. Is there? What is absolute truth? Absolute truth, when we're looking at this world that's full of all of these changes, all of these pressures of half-truth, stretching the truth, and all of the things that come against us, absolute truth is that cannot change. That is defined as true throughout eternity. The test of time against that means it'll always remain the same. It is truth, absolute truth. So we can find something, and what we are declaring is that God is absolute truth. And what he says is absolute truth. But there is a problem with absolute truth. When we declare what absolute truth might be, and it is declared by the church in this nation, declared by us to people, People turn around and say, like, I don't like that. That doesn't fit with me. It doesn't fit with my lifestyle. I don't like that. And so therefore, what we might declare to be truth, people reject. Now, here's an example. For instance, we can say it is absolute truth that you are not allowed to use your mobile phone when driving. The law of this land would back me up. And the police, who are the authority to back up the law in this case, would also back me up. This is an absolute truth for this nation. But there is a problem. Because when your phone, which is by your, your side as you're driving, suddenly starts ringing or a text message, ding, ding, comes through, there's an immense pressure that suddenly comes upon the driver. Or if the ringtone goes because a call is coming through, there's a pressure in the drive. They think like, I must answer my phone. And at that point, absolute truth, which declares thou shalt not, 
can be overridden by our desire to seek what is coming through on our phone. It doesn't suit us, so therefore our behavior changes. Now, that's a pretty lame example, I know. But there are many other examples in life where we would declare this is what God says. God says that sex is between a husband and a wife in a marriage situation only. Society says that doesn't suit us. It does not suit us. So therefore, we will ignore that. But when we ignore truth, when we no longer live by the truth, we start to live by deception and we start to live by lies. And those things can deeply affect us. We come back to our friend Pilate. What was he dealing with in his day? What adverts were coming up on his TV? Well, there weren't adverts, but there would have been the pressure of his society. What things were being said to him and around him? What things was he dealing with? It was obviously something similar to what we face because he was saying, well, what is truth? If only he had known that truth was standing right in front of him. Because Jesus declared, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And that statement has stood the test through ages. In front of Pilate asking the question, what is truth? Jesus could have said, I, I am truth. Speak to me, talk to me. But we know that that conversation didn't go that way. In Revelation, it speaks there that in heaven they're singing the song of Moses. And it says they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. God is truth. His ways are truth. His words are truth. And for us at this time, we need to examine ourselves. What is truth? Are we living by the truth? Or is it the case for us, well, many times the truth, as declared by God, it doesn't suit us. So for us, we want to push that to one side, just as we want to might ignore the laws of the land. Guys, you can come up. There's many times we just want to push things away and forget about them because it doesn't suit our lifestyle. And whilst we would proclaim that to others, how wrong it is of the world not to listen to what the truth is, what's the situation in our own lives in the church? Are we listening to what God's truth is? Are we even wrestling or thinking about the fact of the quality of what is being given to us here? Are we testing the quality of God's word against what the world is telling us? Have we made a decision ourselves as to what we're going to anchor our lives on, what we're going to believe to hold on to, or what we're going to reject? There's so much pressure that's going on around us. We want to come to a place to find what is gospel truth and to know where we can go and what we can anchor our lives on. And we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. I want to leave you with a quote which is very familiar for those who've been on the Alpha course. Quote of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said this, he says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. I want to repeat that. If Christianity is false, it has no importance in our lives at all. However, if it is true, then it is of vital importance. The one thing it cannot be 
is moderately important. And this is what we're dealing with. When it comes to understanding the truth of God, Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now that is either rubbish and it's irrelevant, or it's true and it's of absolute importance. But the one thing it cannot be is only moderately true. I think what happens with us, we're living in a place of moderate because we want to be heights. We want to fit in with the world. We want to fit in with those around us. We want to fit in with this. And there's a lot of moderacy that comes to us. It's time for us to say, what is truth? What is truth? And to anchor our lives upon it. Amen. Thank you, Jake.